This call may be recorded or transcribed. Hello, Ernie. Hello, Ernie. Hello, yeah, trying to get my AirPods connected. Let me take a minute here. Testing one, two, three. No, this is not occurring for some reason. This is very odd and very annoying, especially because the dogs are waiting for me to walk them. Um, I guess I'm trying to do too many things at once. I'll just go ahead and put the. Let me start on the speaker while I try and get the dogs settled. All right. Well, yeah. All right, this may not actually work, but I'm going to give it a try because I am crazy that way. Yeah, I love it. The uh, challenging part is I'm trying to walk two good-sized dogs one-handed while holding uh -huh. the phone up. Ah, so how are you feeling? Uh, oh, I feel very deep peace. Um, mm. uh, I think it was helpful your your suggestion that I speak in terms of my concerns rather than uh, simple statements about what they've done. And uh, so I went through and we did that. Um, yeah, we're talking about this email to the event, uh, yeah, to the, so one of the people responsible for the event where you're having issues around the masking policy. Right, and I, it's really to right to the three leaders. It's addressed to one, but we copied to the other set. The ones who specifically had issues, the ones who were pushing for the policy that you disagreed with? Yeah, so, or the ones who approved that? Uh, the, the, three, the three top leaders disagree with the policy that they approved and are urging me to ignore the policy. Um, ah, I see. Uh, privately urging me to ignore the policy. So mm -hmm. they wanted to show up and uh, disregard the agreement they have with the other parties. And that, to me, is right. They're, they're, they're trying to have their. You feel like they're trying to have their cake and eat it too. Yeah, that they they've made those who are pressuring them the de facto leader, leaders in this decision. So you and I discussed earlier. I don't know if we recorded this, but uh, asking them for the people that have the strong feelings if they would rather I not come at all or that I come and just uh, follow my own conscience. And uh, mm -hmm. they said it's not worth having that conversation for me to have that conversation with them because they're unreasonable. And they can't, you know, discuss this matter. So. Um, sorry, who? Sorry, who felt they were? Sorry, who said they couldn't have this conversation? So I asked the the formal leaders uh, permission mm -hmm. to come to the ones who had pressured them into the policy for permission. I, I'd ask the the recognized leaders for permission to contact those with strong feelings. To ask if they would rather to just put it in their hands, would they rather? Right, you you, you wanted to consult them, and the formal right. leaders said that the de facto leaders were unreasonable 
and right. they didn't want to have that conversation. They didn't want me to pursue them with that conversation. Right. Okay. And so you were sending, a, drafting an email to send to the formal leaders? Yes, to the three formal leaders. Um, to express uh, I, your frustration I, with how they are managing this process. I would say my concerns, because I think that the enemy's goal in this is disunity to disrupt mm -hmm. the potential value of the event. And that uh, by accepting the pressure from one side, so the, I think they create a no-win situation by putting themselves in the middle of the discussion and then choosing a side rather than requiring those who want to insist on a policy to work out something everybody else could agree with. Right. Yeah, interesting. This is tying into the philosophy model that I keep promising to send Kate, um, which may help. Um, anyway, okay, that's good to get a level set of the context. Um, I think they're trying in your terms to detention prematurely. <laughs> um, I understand. Um, yeah. So, okay, that was it. before we start, I, I wanted to make a few sort of meta comments once I got the context of that question. Let me just add this. Okay, sure. Yeah, I just wanted to add this briefly. I see so many times that I've done this with my own kids. I just stepped mm -hmm. in and oh, we're resolving it this way without letting them work out something that they can both live with. Anyway. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, the, the, like I said, there are two failure modes here, right? One is to... Yeah step in and micromanage things. The other is to let it turn into Kane and Abel. Right, yeah. Yeah, um, so anyway, so you know, thinking about this, and I realize I'm feeling some internal tensions, and um, my man, Seth Godin, has been talking about uh, meta conversations, and like before you do something, say what you're going to do to make sure it's actually what you want to do. So uh -huh. one tension is that, um, like I am, is that there's a tension between this sort of practical issue you are facing and you've asked yeah. for help drafting emails and so forth. And then there's sort of a uh, larger question of um, uh, these uh, other issues that we have been discussing around, you know, leadership and tension and character. And so, you know, there's a, I sometimes feel a bit of tension, like I'm more interested in the larger issues, but you obviously are more invested in the practical issues. So I'm feeling some tension there, uh, not necessarily bad, but just wanted to acknowledge that that tension exists. So if well, I get I'm too, if I get to, too far in, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm I sure, feel yeah, like. Like not, not a problem, I just wanted to sort of acknowledge the tension. Well, I'm, I'm not sure I understand what the other issues you're referring to. I'm I'm happy to, I'm I'm content with what I've drafted, so if there and right. and I've made appropriate your feedback, so I don't need to dwell any more on that. Let's uh, talk about the bigger issues, whatever those. Right. Whatever. Yeah. So the the other tension I realized is that, like on the one hand, you are my friend. I want to support you and I want to help you. Um, right. And but then again, there's a tension between, and again, not necessarily a negative tension, but still a tension between you know, wanting to be, I guess, sort of the feminine mode of just wanting to be supportive and encouraging and helping you feel um, understood and the more sort of, let's, say, let's call it the paternal mode, and then the more paternal mode of like, 
hey, I'm seeing some things I have concerns about in your life. I want to push on them to see if I can help you grow in those areas. And again, not necessarily a negative tension, not necessarily impossible to do both, but it's still a tension that I'm feeling and trying to be mindful of. Um, and then the other tension is that, like, on the one hand, like, I want to be here for you and support you in this process. On the other hand, I have my own agenda and concerns. Like, I'm trying to work out these mental models of yeah. what uh, we're doing here, and I'm also trying to figure out how this plays out with respect to my own relationships and my own growth and own issues. So there's a tension there. And then the, the final one is that uh, one of the comments I made at the was the, I think it's the first Corinthians quote about words versus power. Uh, the kingdom of God is not a matter of words, but of power. And I expressed a concern that you may be focusing too much on words. And then I find myself having to use words to express that concern to you, which feels uh, attention, if nothing else. <laughs> it's not downright contradictory. And so uh, I just wanted to sort of acknowledge that and sure. uh, pause for a bit to see if you had any thoughts or meta thoughts. Well, I, I think you used a phrase like that uh, the words I'm using may not accomplish the change I'm hoping for. And mm -hmm. uh, I added to the lead of the email, uh, what follows the heartfelt effort to serve you with awareness of my concerns, to support you in following your sense of the Lord's leading, and not to pressure you to agree with my perspective. Uh, so I, my intent is not to pressure for change, but to offer uh, concern and my perspective for their consideration. Right, interesting, that is not what I thought I said. Yeah, let me, uh, I'll try and go back and pull up your, because uh, that's how I read it, but let me uh, see what you actually said. <laughs> That's an interesting difference. Almost there. Sure. It is nice okay. to have hard copies of many of these things so that we can refer back to them. And it says, I also wonder if you may be relying too heavily on words to affect the change you seek. But maybe you're thinking of a different change I seek than uh, what I'm thinking you meant by that. Right. So let's actually. So this is actually a good segue to the question I wanted to start with, which is, okay. why are you sending this email? Well, because like, what is the what is the and, and 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 there's two possible types of answers. Just to be clear, which uh, you're offering to hopefully reduce confusion. One is, yeah. what is the internal pressure you are feeling that makes you want to write this email? And the other is, what is the long-term uh, result that you are hoping will come if you if you write this if this email accomplishes its intended purpose. So I guess there's approximate cause and then there's a teleological cause to yeah. use Aristotle's so, terms. Right. So um, I yesterday I was content to uh, simply let them know that I felt peace about uh, just withdrawing from participation. Um, because I felt that coming and ignoring the policy, the stated policy, would um, fuel further disunity, which I think would be harmful. So I communicated that uh, verbally to one of the leaders who passed it to another, uh, and that was followed up by the email appeal 
to uh, reconsider. So this is my, in light of their desire for me to reconsider my um, response, I want to give them enough understanding of my response so that we can see what we can work out. Um, but I'm happy to just withdraw and you know not bother them further if I had an indication that that's what they would prefer at this point. Okay, so let me kind of hear what I'm saying is that you had a series of interactions which led to a point of peace where you felt like your tension was resolved both internally and externally, but then you got a message saying, well, wait a second, you know, we're not comfortable with this, or one person is not comfortable with you just sort of staying there, and right. so that created a new tension where it right. seemed like there was something they want from you uh, that they're not getting. And so you are trying to figure out how to um, restore that equilibrium, if you will, by trying to address uh, the tension that, you know, triggered this disequilibrium. Is that there's a fair statement? An, yeah, there's an additional factor last evening around the dinner table. My family and I discussed this and they're not comfortable with me withdrawing. Um, and mm. uh, um, anyway, right. so there's it. a second tension that arose. Yeah, they they would like me to just follow the private guidance I'm receiving from the top leadership to just disregard the policy. Um, right. And the Ralph Winter used to say, when uh, good men differ, they're generally looking at different sets of facts, something like that, and. Um, uh, so I, I want to enable them to see my perspective so that we can engage in a way that can hopefully draw us to uh, a mutual understanding. Ah, okay. That is that is fascinating to me because okay. uh, while that is true, I think it is deeply misleading. What's misleading? That That when people disagree, it's because they're looking at different facts. Okay. Yes. It's an um, it's a it's an approximation. <laughs> well, well, yes, but the question is, is it the right approximation? Right? Is yeah. is that? And and I think that's actually a, and this gets to the point I was trying to make. Okay. Is that? Um, and I don't know how he meant it, but the way I've seen that statement used, uh, or interpreted, especially in a Caltech context. Is that ah the problem here is a lack of information, and if I pri provide enough additional information, that will ch solve the problem. Hmm. Um, is, is that, that consistent age, with how you've seen that? that yeah, well, interpreted? I, I would I would shift in my practical experience from uh, the problem to a problem. Is different sets of information. Okay, but so, but, but so like going back to the Ralph Winter quote, which is a fair yeah, one, I, I think. Yeah. So how would you so how would you frame it? Is that is that when you, when there's a difference among between the difference, if you will, it's due to a uh, people looking at different facts. Yeah. Well. Right? So his was when. Do you want to use the word difference? Okay. Part part of it was when good men differ. So part of right. this assume, assumes integrity and you know uh, virtue. Right. And yeah. And so this. Yeah. So, so right. So, the, so this is the thing: is that 
So when good men differ, it's because they're looking at different facts. Yeah. Right. So here's, you know, here's where I feel like that statement is, well, true is misleading. Okay. Okay. One, uh, there are no good men. <laughs> I'm going to go side with Jesus on this, right? No one is good but God. And if we only had good men to deal with, we wouldn't need a savior. But scripture also says that, you know, we have the mind of Christ uh, through the spirit of God. And uh, right. we need the grace. Right. But, I mean, okay, so, so let's talk about that. So yeah. there's a couple of different ways to interpret that statement. One is sort of the platonic or even Gnostic school of thought, which is that the mind and the reason are pure and uh, intrinsically good, and it is only the flesh or the emotions that are evil, which okay. I don't think you subscribe to that school. I don't even understand it, so yeah. <laughs> Okay, but but, yeah. but like but, but but it's kind of we talk, we had this discussion yesterday about trusting in logic versus trusting feelings. Yeah. And there are people who actually have a theology that reason is not fallen, and that's oh. possible to be that you you cannot trust feelings, but you can trust uh, logic. Yeah, I do not. I, I have practiced that that's much right. in my life. Not, I do right. not believe it. Right. Okay. Fair it. enough. So given that is that. So when it says we have the mind of Christ, I take uh -huh. that as a, this is a thing available to us, yeah. not necessarily a thing we always avail of. Yes, yes. Right, in the same sense that we are perfect and blameless without sin. Right. right. That, that is a thing that we have, but not necessarily a thing that has us. So, right, okay. I to state in a different way, I, I believe that the leaders in this context uh, aim to do the right thing and may have not succeeded. Uh, the best thing was uh, you know. Yeah, well, but, but this is actually a really important point that I think is a source of a great deal of frustration and miscommunication. Uh -huh. uh, the best version I've heard of this is that uh, and it, but there's an important sentiment there that I want to honor. And the best way I've heard to honor that is that we need to mine the gold of good intentions. Right. Okay. And that is to say everyone has a good intention somewhere. Right. For what they are doing. Okay. Yeah. But it is not necessarily the only, but it is, it is never the only intention they have. Hence my disclaimer at the beginning. Right. Yeah. Like, I have an intention to help you, but I have yeah, many yeah, other yeah. intentions, too, and, and they, those intentions are intentions. That's right. actually not a bad episode title. Uh, intention, <laughs> intention. Um, yeah. That, and being aware of that uh, avoids uh, often horrendous uh, oversimplifications. Because, yeah. like, what I'm talking to remember my friends, I know my intentions are good. What I really mean is yeah. that I have a good intention, but, you know, I have right. other intentions that can often sabotage that. Like, for example, you know, common one that I am trying to be very conscious of this time around is that, you know, because I want to help you, I want to ask you questions. But if I ask you too many questions, it turns into the Spanish Inquisition and you feel like a frog being dissected under a microscope. Hmm. Right. And so, okay, so, so, so 
and the thing is, is when we start by assuming that people are good and then they're not, then uh, we end up acting maladaptively. Yeah, so I do want to just want to affirm that I believe everyone in the leadership, both the top level leaders and those and that have uh, um, pressed this particular position, do have good intentions, the best of intentions. Um, yeah, see, so I, like, I don't buy that. I mean, like, this, this is my point, is I think that's actually a dangerous assumption if you take well, it too far. Like, they have some good intentions. Is maybe a little bit safer statement. Well, uh, so this seems in conflict with what you said earlier about mining the gold of good no, intentions. No, mining the gold of good intentions is, like, is that somewhere people have a big raw mass of intentions. Okay? And somewhere in there is gold, okay? But to get gold out of ore, it's not like, oh, yeah, I just see the gold. There it is. It's like, no, you have to dig it up. You have to crush it. You have to melt it. You have to refine it. You have to squeeze it. You have to form it. You have to anneal it. Like, like there's a huge amount of work necessary to actually understand what the good intention is rather than just taking it as a given. Okay. All right. And by the way, the same, I think, is true of ourselves. Yes, yeah. Right? Is that we have many intentions, and they are all, you know, have different levels of goodness and different contexts in which they are good or adaptive. Right. And, uh, yeah, uh, okay, parallel okay. is, okay, go ahead. Yeah. Keep on. Right, so, 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 so the first problem I have with that statement is the word good. It's like, okay, you know, that's a nice sentiment, but if you take it too literally, it leads to some really bad outcomes is my first thing. The second thing is that as a techer, I tend to focus on the facts, right? It'll look at the different facts. Oh, they have more facts. No, but to me, the, the operative word in that statement is look. Is what are they looking at? And what do they see when they look? And... Okay. You know, like, as, you know, as we saw it, like, even with, like, my little short, you know, two-sentence email, uh, you uh, saw something very different than what I did. Okay. Right? And that you saw my primary, you felt like my primary point was that the words you are using are not going to be effective. But my point was actually the fact that you were trying to use words may not be effective. Well, and you saw uh, something different. The the reference to the change I'm seeking seems to fit with my conscious intention, but it probably is within the mass of intentions. Well, yeah, but but I think the, the, the but my point though is that it's not which words; it's the fact that you're relying on words that was troubling me. Uh, what would be the alternative? Yeah, like I said, there's a tension here. But it's an important one, and this is one of the things that I don't have an answer for. But I am um, um, one of the things that uh, I don't know if you were around for season two of the Great Reset, or if you you probably joined after that. But one of the, the, the topics we were studying education, I think, and Paul uh, somewhere in Corinthian said, you know, I made it a point not to come to you with persuasive words but with the power of the gospel. I think it's in that same chapter that I sent you earlier. I'll put that yeah. verse in the show notes. Someone else can look it up. And I just realized, oh my God, 
I have spent my entire career and probably my entire Christian life trying to find persuasive words. Uh-huh. And Paul just said, oh, that's not the thing that we're supposed to be doing. Uh-huh. And I keep coming back to that. Um, and like, what is the alternative? Yeah. And yeah. certainly it's a little easier to see the alternative when you, if you use the adjective persuasive words, right? Like I am trying to use these words to persuade you of something. And, you know, like, and, you know, and this is like, so, so some categories that I think are, um, at least within my subculture, not nearly as true as we like to think they are. One is that the problem people have is a lack of information. And if I give them information, that will solve the problem. Or the reason we disagree is because they don't have access to my information. And if I give them my information, then we will no longer disagree. Um, I think that is, you know, it's true, but it's like a set of measure zero where that's the case. Um, the, um, the uh, alternative that I'm groping towards uh-huh. is that, um, well, first of all, it's like currently diagnosing the tension. I think let's start there. Right. Okay. There's a tension that this leader is. These leaders are feeling, which is why they, you know, they sent you this request or, or, or whatever. And if you interpret, I, I think what I would say is that if you interpret the source of that tension as a lack of information, you will be disappointed when you try to provide that information and it fails to resolve the tension. Uh, okay. Right. Because. There's there's several because I think there's like so there's there's at least two other layers that are worth being mindful of. One is that like a naive uh, uh, perspective on what it means to have good intentions, right? right? Is realizing there's lots of different things going on. And in fact, uh, you know I think you could easily like we don't want to describe the worst motives to people. That's not particularly healthy or useful either. But appreciating right. uh, uh, the, the complexity of motives, I think, is important. The second thing is that what people see is hugely shaped by what they feel. And that is a, I think, a fairly robust scientific statement yeah. Yeah. that there's lots of psychological and observational and anecdotal evidence to demonstrate that fact. But yeah, yeah. the... Um, relational paradigms you and I grew up with tend to deny that fact. And one of my reflexive behaviors that I'm trying to be more mindful of is to, uh, is to assume that just because I see something that others, when they look at it, will see the same thing. Um, That's one. And then the second reflexive behavior is that, if they don't see what I see, there's something wrong with them that I need to fix. Okay. And so I think the interesting question that I would, so, the, so what is this, what is the practical upshot of this? Um, so the, um, the long, hard, messy answer, which may not be the right answer or the best answer, is that, you know, the source of this t- is, is like, so I'm proposing 
that the source of this tension is not a lack of information and that therefore providing additional information is unlikely to resolve it. That's the first point. Can I say, um, make a statement again? Yeah, is that my, my, my first uh, claim, I guess, yeah. is that the lack of information is not the source of this tension. And so providing more information will not resolve the tension. Yeah, which tension are we referring to? Well, the, 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 there was some, you, I said, like, you were in a place of peace where you felt like you said your bit and you felt like everyone would be okay with it, but it turns out not everyone is okay with it. Well, I didn't And they either that. want you to change. I didn't you think felt they Sorry? Uh, uh, well, I didn't expect them to be okay with it, but uh, I'm okay with it. Okay, you're okay with it. And I'm so. Not I'm not surprised that they've appealed to me to change my mind. Right, yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, and so, you're not surprised. Um, okay, so you're not surprised that, so in some sense, when they sent you this email or they sent you this request, whatever, it wasn't actually new information. No, they've been saying from the beginning that they want to have a public right. policy. But, 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 yeah, no, I, I understand that. So the question is, is that, so at one point you were peace, you felt like you said everything you needed to say. Now it doesn't feel like that anymore. So something changed where now you feel like you should send them an email. Well, they emailed me and asked me to reconsider. I feel like I should respond. Okay, um, so what happened was is that there was a, a request that they sent you so maybe and so as a, sorry for, right so they they you know even though you knew that they wanted you to reconsider the fact that they sort of formally asked you to reconsider yeah. created a sense of obligation where you feel an obligation to respond yeah i have a fairly deep uh commitment not to shutting down conversation um, but they continuing to engage until we're both at peace. Right. Okay, that's good. Okay, so that's a really good statement of the objective. Okay. Right? Is that from your perspective, you know, even though you're at peace with your decision, other people are not at peace with your decision. And so the goal that you're trying to achieve is trying to get to a place of mutual peace. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, okay, so that's first, because we, at the beginning, we weren't even clear what the effect was that you were trying to achieve, the teleological because. Right. But you are concerned because they're not at peace with your decision, and you would like to evolve the system to a state where you're both in a position of mutual peace, rather than just decoupling entirely and letting them to deal with it on their own, which I think is right. a noble goal. Okay? okay. So here's the the the... the um, here's my analysis. Let me just present it like that. Is sure. that you know, our bias is to assume that uh, a, a difference is due to a lack of information, and therefore we need to provide more information to resolve it, uh, that difference. And my, my claim is that, you know, in general, for things that are non, the things that have, things that have gone through more than one path and uh -huh. are not obviously converging, it is highly unlikely that more information will lead to resolution. That's okay. my first point of my analysis. The second point is that the reason is those is that there's two uh, oversimplifications in that assumption. Like if people 
are dispassionately concerned about the same objectives, then you know you can get to a Bayesian situation where if everyone looks at the same information, they will reach the same conclusion. Like, okay, it, 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 the, but the reality is that we all have multiple agendas and intentions and tensions. Uh, yeah. They do, but, uh, and there's, there's, there's uh, the four buckets, right? There's things you see in others that they don't see in themselves. There's things they see in you that you don't see in them. There's things you both see, and there's things right. that nobody sees, <laughs> right? Yeah. And th the reality is, is that the, uh, in most cases, the number of things, uh, the smallest bucket is the number of things you both see about yourselves and others uh, the, uh, and like usually when simple okay and so that's one point and then the sec uh, and it's both in terms of emotions and emotions like the way that i hear you describe yourself is that you have a very clear logical perspective of what's going on and it makes perfect sense and if everyone had access to the same information that you had and took it as seriously as you did they would reach the same conclusion. There are two levels, uh, though, in which that's applying. But yeah, I think mm -hmm. that's generally my experience. Yeah, but there's also, we, you texted me about this issue of self-doubt. And so I hold open the, the very deeply this idea that there may be something I'm missing in this. And that uh, if I'm not clear about what I am seeing, that others can't help me see what I'm not seeing. Right. You know, and I, first of all, I reckon I really appreciate your vulnerability and humility and willingness to let me grill you on these things. Uh, uh -huh. It is definitely one of your, your finest traits, and occasionally I worry that it may become a weakness because I may abuse it but, um, without you telling me. But you're getting better at telling me, so I'm encouraged by that. Um, the, um, the thing that will bring them peace is unlikely to be more information. It would be, and I think in fact, the two things that would be, so I think there's actually four things that are worth thinking about. And maybe I'll just leave it at this. Um, and, and then let you, uh, is that one, try to understand like, okay, in addition to the, you know, the noble uh, intention that they have about wanting to like host this event and, and give everyone there, it's like, understanding all the other, you know, maybe less noble, but nonetheless valid intentions that they have intention, right? Like they have a life they want to get back to. They don't want to have things be disrupted. They, um, you know, don't want to look bad in front of this or that people. Uh, there are their own buried traumas and PSDs, PST, uh, PTSD involving certain kinds of problems that they're just not wanting to have to deal with. And like all these factors are in play and developing some awareness and mindfulness of that uh, would help you understand like what, what you can and cannot accomplish in terms of trying to get them to a place of peace. Um, so I think that that's one thing to think about. The second thing to think about is because of uh, those uh, tensions, uh, that leads to uh, what um, uh, I've been using the word emotional filters. My father-in-law sent me an article about brain freeze uh, from his pastor, who's an executive coach. And it talks about how when we get into certain situations, our amygdala will freeze up and lock us into a certain perspective. 
and once we are, and it becomes a matter, and he says it's because one of the pillars of our core identity, he said there's two causes, which I thought was interesting. One is that one of our pillars of core identity have been threatened, and two, because it's triggering some past trauma. And I'm not sure if those are two different things, but I thought those were, those are really good categories to think about it. Is there something in their identity? And, and this is what I've, I've often noticed. When I find a good man doing things I consider uh, bad, um, yeah. then usually it's because without realizing it, I have shared a piece of information uh, that contradicts uh, the, uh, one of their pillars of their identity. Or two, I have generated an emotional reaction that uh, resembles a past trauma. And in those situations, a direct approach is suicidal. Uh, because we're no longer dealing with the, the forebrain or the cerebral cortex, we're dealing with the amygdala. And so the... Uh, they, they, and I've had this literally happen to me where I will, you know, say, I'll have a conversation with somebody and then I'll come back to them a week later or a week later or the next day. And they will literally have no memory of that conversation. Like everything right. I so paint, like the two or three times I managed to argue someone that I disagreed with into seeing my point, they uh -huh. literally would forget everything the next time I talked by the next time I talked to them. Right because it was literally like their brain rejected it, even if in the, the context I was able to force that. So that's one half of it. The other half of it is, is like, is to do the same for yourself. Is to be more mindful of like, okay, what are the other things that I want and feel? What are my pillars of identity that feel in play here? And what are the past traumas? Like one of the things that struck me um, maybe I'll uh, wrap up on this, is that you've described a little bit about your family background. And I noticed that you have a drive, which is not an ignoble thing, to connect people to resources that will help them avoid problems. Mm -hmm. And I can't help but wonder if that is a reflection uh, or is uh, both empowered in a good way and tainted in a maladaptive way by some sense of helplessness in, in the challenges you faced in your family of origin. Uh, not that it strikes me at the moment, but uh, it's a fair question to raise. Yeah, so that's pretty much all I had to say. Okay. Um, I've referenced Mark Gunger too many times probably in recent calls, but uh, one of the things that I've really been deeply affected by in his observations is that the way he cast temperament with one calling them one of, one of them peace which um, most, he says, most of us are in this category um, of being to avoid conflict. But he says that uh, we can't get to the peace that we long for without going through. And the first 
temperament and uh, it certainly has influenced our household in ways that we're beginning to recover from. But uh, I think that this, uh, uh, that what has unfolded in the top level leadership is a form of which is preventing the kind of people that uh, they want. And, that they and so my goal in this email is to offer insights uh, that I hope will support to accomplish and in recognize how they have understood what they do. You still there? The audio was giving me a little. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, so here's the thing that, okay, yeah, so I think I heard you. Yeah, I can repeat it back if you're not sure. But, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, is that you see that there is a problem of a lack of unity. Um, and I think before you said it may even be a spiritual attack of some kind uh, because of the power and the, the virtue of the, the group involved. And so you're hoping that by providing insights that you can help them overcome this. Yeah, not that alone. Uh, prayer as well. And just trying to approach in a different spirit and be humble. There's a variety of the information. But I <laughs> yeah. So I think that's the... Um, the So, okay. And I think that that's... I, I, I would flip it, right? Okay. Right. That, that would be my admonition, uh, if you're open to it, is that um, recognize that you, like me, and people in our training background tend to overweight the value of, of insight and information and underweight the value of... Um, this is a horrible word, but I can't think of a better one. Symbolic acts. Um, I mean, like right, Jesus did not come to give insights to the world, <laughs> right? And you know, the 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 things that I personally have found most effective, and I'm not saying I'm an expert at this. I'm saying I'm a, I'm a student of it, but I'm trying to learn how to do it better. But to the extent I've been able to do it, I found it has been successful. Is is if I pray about like God, what is the spiritual blindness that is keeping them from seeing what I see. And that is the first step. And then the second step is to say, okay, where do I have that same or complementary or mirror blindness in me that might be keeping me seeing from what they see? And then third, what is the grace that I think they need to be able to act more skillfully. And then fourth, how can I demonstrate that grace in how I deal with them? And I guess, I guess maybe that's the way that I would answer your question. What's the alternative to words? Um, the, the alternative is a demo in technology speak, right? Rather than explaining to someone what something is, you just show it to them. And one of the things that I am convinced of is that Jesus's death on a cross uh, was a powerful demonstration of his love that accomplished more than all the words he spoke. 
Now, with that demo, having the words helps us understand what it meant and how to work it out. And so after a demo, having words is useful to give people context. But before the demo, they are often worse than useless. Yeah, so I find that when I try to instruct people about movement practices and principles that, uh, and I've, I have a, a suspicion that if I could effectively model them and engage people in experiencing them, that it would be much more fruitful to do that before uh, describing and uh, analyzing them. Yeah, and ironically, uh, what I have found is that it is actually the most uh, effective, the more painful it is. Uh, and I guess pain is not the only currency of these things, but yeah. certainly the more uh, proof of work is what the Bitcoin people call it, or proof of stake, if you prefer. Um, they're similar, but not quite the same. And thinking about like, okay, don't be, I, I, I don't want people to be impressed by the depths of my, no, Quinn, Quinn, you're just going to go outside and bark more. It's not going to help anything to let you outside. Um, that um, I, I think a lot more about if people can see how much it is costing me to do. The, oh, this is, the, uh, this is the, 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 the cheat sheet on this, if you can pull this off is that usually the reason humans don't believe something is because of this tension. It's like, well, yes, you say X, but if, you, if I give you X, you'll actually get Y. Like my kids are masters of this. Well, you know, hey, he wants to do this, uh, and that's the reason he gives, but he's gonna get this you know, side benefit or advantage over me or whatever, and that's the thing that uh, makes them dislike the, the verbal superficial surface argument is the sense that there is a uh, undercurrent. And then the way to do that is to say, well, okay, if that's the reason you're concerned about this, let me just throw this on the table is that I, you know, I, I refuse to, I, I give up the right to say, I told you so, or, you know, I, you know, if I do this, you know, then, you know, you get this consequence of me, right? It's, it's the thinking that trying to understand the thing that they may be understandably afraid that you are going to gain out of this, like a position of status or prestige or influence or control or whatever. Uh, and if you can figure out what that is and then sacrifice that, then that, and this is actually really, this explains probably a lot of my other issues, this is helpful for me to think through, that um, changes the emotional temperature of the place because suddenly the thing that was the source of their fear is no longer on the table because uh, they've seen that the thing that you actually really do care about is more valuable than the thing that they are afraid you're doing instead. Does that make any sense? Um, yeah, with some sense. I'm, uh, yeah. We're trying to fit it to the current situation. I'm not quite seeing how. Yeah. Well, like, I'm not saying I can see how either, but I think, okay. I mean, certainly, uh, you know, the, um, uh, and there's so many different layers, different players here, right? And it may be worth thinking through just because like, like who is the person who does not have peace here? And what do we think? Ah, I think this is the point I would make. Is that you think if they would just understand you better, they would be at peace with your decision. And I think no. that's a flaw. No, okay. 
No, I think they might see, they might either see things that they want to do differently or they might have, um, see what I'm not seeing that they could help me see that would bring me peace in aligning with what they would like me to do. Okay. Um, so that would be, okay, I didn't get that at all from your last email, but maybe I didn't read it closely enough. So let's make it clear that the goal is, is to peace. And the is that they're making a request that you just don't feel comfortable complying with. And uh, they don't understand why. Um, okay, yeah, sorry. Maybe don't like that. Right, and, and you know, so, yeah, so I, I think the question is, is that, uh, I guess maybe they'll, I'll leave it at this, but I think there's a, peace rarely comes about because of the, but was the peace about the absence of conflict with the presence of God, right? My dog is not at peace, I'm gonna have to, yes, yeah, go ahead. Yes, I know. Quinn, go in, Quinn, in. Okay, I have to give the dog a timeout. Great. Quinn, Quinn, Frolic, you too. I will give them a. So, in this case, trying to figure out why my dog is upset and resolving it has had no value whatsoever, and it's causing stress in the rest of the family. And I just have to go to the extreme of putting him in his uh, crate, which he sees as a safe place. And then um, I can do it in a gentle way. Or I can at least compensate him by giving him his treat because he knows that when he gets in his crate, he gets a treat. And uh, so that resolves uh, the situation without actually uh, addressing the underlying causes. And I think that's probably what I would recommend is that, like, I don't think you guys, you guys are, the, I think the issues involved would be yeah. great if you could go to the depths of the motives and the emotions and the fears and everything. But that is a yeah. very long, tedious, therapeutic process. Right. And you and I have spent hours, and I'm not sure we understand each other on a lot of these issues, which is why I've, I've avoided the content entirely, <laughs> right? Uh, despite the depths of our relationship and our shared cultural context and the fact that we have so little at stake, um, yeah. as opposed to that. So it's like, okay, I would suggest giving up uh, uh, intellectual agreement or even intellectual understanding of each other as a goal, or at least setting that to aside and say, if I don't have that, how can I bring peace to this situation? What would make them feel at peace? Like, you know, uh, the, 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 the cliche answer from someone like me is like, well, why don't we just have a DBJ on what we think are the, or we ask God for a scriptural passage and we just spend time reflecting and meditating on it together and seeking God and right. see if he says something to us through this. And that what, regardless of, what we decide, regardless of whether we have any intellectual agreement whatsoever, if we all feel a sense of peace that we feel like we've shared and that God is good and, you know, you know, this is what's happening, then, you know, that's it. Like, sometimes that's enough. Uh, a cathartic act, I guess, is the, the technical term for that. So I don't know. That's my uh, thought is, is yeah. to... Uh is to take the thing that you most want, which is the intellectual resolution, and sacrifice that and see what that gets you. Yeah, no, I, uh, as you're talking, I'm thinking that uh, I could, you know, I wrote out three pages or whatever it turned out to be of analysis, not uh, as a draft, but, and I think it's tough to set analysis. 
but uh, they can say it sounds like you were to leave in place that it's not a lot feel well. Hold on a second. Yep, sorry. Uh, Dog uh, stress is causing my wife stress, but. Well, you know, we at this we want to just go ahead and take care of the whole thing. Uh, that may be more significant than uh, anything we're going to do here. But I'm thinking of three sentence uh, email instead of, uh, you know, three page. Um, yeah, and the other thing is is that um, rather than trying to push information, giving right. them a space where they can pull information. Like, you know, I'm sorry, I don't know how to explain this to you. I'm happy to jump on a phone call with you if you have questions. Um, right. You know, because, you know, because, and like, I mean, you know, it, it's probably, you know, the other way to think about it is the reverse fleece. It's like, you know, uh, is to ask, like, what would it take for you to change your mind? Ask God and say, you know, if someone was willing to do this, that that would change things for me. If this impossible thing could happen, then actually I'd be okay complying with your request. Like, I don't know if there is any such thing, but if you could provide them that, that would at least give them something concrete to react to. Well, I'm feeling tension because I feel like you're causing your wife to stress by talking to me. Oh, no, my wife locked herself in a room. She's good, and the dogs are whining, but I'm okay with that. Um, okay. Yeah, so in fact, I think I will go outside. So I can't, I, I will, I, I'm going to do the uh, cowardly dad thing and go into a different room where I don't hear the dogs barking. Oh, uh, your wife is. Yeah, this is you know not a, uh, a a healthy long-term strategy, but a very useful short-term tactic. <laughs> so what I'm thinking after you know our conversation is of simply write the leaders that are appealing for me to reconsider and saying it sounds like you want to leave a policy in place that makes. Uh, me feel I and my um, friends I've invited are not welcome, um, and you want me to um, ignore the policy, violate the policy, without the agreement of those who press the policy on you. Uh, is that a good description of the situation? And just let them wrestle with that. Uh, right. I, I, I would. I would encourage. I would encourage you to flip that. So it's. It starts with I, rather than use, because that reads really accusatory. All right. Uh, you did this so, to me. You did this to me. You, right. So it's more like you know. Hey. You know. I understand you're in a difficult situation. You know. Right. I personally just don't feel comfortable because it feel. I feel like. Um, uh, you're asking me to do something opposite, of. What they want, and, well, yeah. I, actually, you know, I, I just don't have any comfort around that sentence. It just feels like you want mm -hmm. them to understand what they're doing wrong in your eyes. Yeah. Okay. I'll work on that, and uh, probably. Right. So the question is, is that yeah, because yeah, I mean, again, I got a bunch of meetings today. I'm not sure if I'll be able to check email before uh, this yeah. evening. But I mean, just think about like, what are you trying to accomplish? Is, is your goal to try and make sure they know what they've done wrong? Or is your goal to try and help them come to peace? And, uh, that's the thing. Do you want them to be right, or do you want them to be at peace? 
And are you willing to let them be at peace even if they're not right? That's probably a good question to end on. Okay. Yeah. Good. Thank All you. right. Should I pray for you real quick? Sure. Yeah. God, I just thank you so much for Robbie and for these conversations. And like, I'm not sure how much I'm helping him, but this is helping me. And so I just ask for your grace through all of this that somehow uh and lord i really believe that like working through these issues is actually way more important for the spread of your kingdom than any given event or policy uh, because these are the hard places in our heart where the kingdom of god gets stuck and i want the kingdom of god to flow through me to robbie and from robbie to these leaders and from robbie and these leaders to the missions community and to the missions community to the world and you know i just see so much that is blocking the flow of your spirit and unity and grace and i'm not terribly competent to do any of this either but the cry of my heart and i believe robbie's as well is that we would be like christ that we would be his hands and feet and his heart and his eyes so that others can come into the blessedness of knowing you and so that we ourselves can come into greater depths of knowing you lord that is what matters most uh, and I just cry out that you would help us to grow closer to you through this process and to draw those closer to you as well. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. All right thanks, Robbie. God bless you. you. Bye.